You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Three-one pitch, swing and a drive, deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye, baseball. Eight strikeouts for the King tonight, and make it. 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Phoenix. Strike three called on the outside corner, and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Welcome back to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Gary Hill back with you. Thanks for being here once again as we have another fun one for you. Busy offseason for the Mariners, obviously, but what about the rest of the AL West? Luke Arkins is going to be here. A great breakdown team by team of what the other teams in the West have done. How the Mariners stack up their offseason compared to the rest of the division. That comes up in a few minutes. Also, moving day. What does it take? To move the operations to Arizona for spring training, a piece I put together a couple of years ago looking at uh, that big effort. So that comes up in a couple of minutes as well. So thanks for being here once again as we continue to get closer and closer to pitchers and catchers. Uh, not very far away right now, although you wouldn't know it by looking outside in the great Pacific Northwest. But I promise you, spring and baseball are getting close. Well, I'm excited about this. Uh, this is a guy I've been following for a long time, Luke Arkins. You can find his work at prospectinsider.com. Great follow on Twitter, at Luke underscore Arkins. Luke, I'm glad we finally get a chance to, to chat. This is going to be fun. Yes, it is. I've uh, been looking forward to doing this. Well, you have been writing a series that I've been following that I think is very beneficial to fans. I think it's been hard enough to follow how busy the Mariners have been this offseason, let alone the rest of the AL West. And you've been writing kind of a synopsis of the offseason for every AL West team. So let's kind of go through this team by team. Let's start with the winners of the division last season, the Texas Rangers. They've won two consecutive AL West titles. Some losses in the offseason, though. What do you think of what the Rangers did this offseason? You know, uh, I'm not sure they've done enough. You know, when you look at that, they've added uh, Tyson Ross and Andrew Kashner to their pitching staff. They held on to Carlos Gomez uh, to play center field. Uh, but Gomez really, uh, when he was with Houston uh, from the, uh, basically for a year, um, he wasn't very productive. He did have a good uh, stretch just over 30 games with uh, the Rangers, but he hasn't been all that recently. And of course, Tyson Ross is coming off uh, the surgery and uh, Andrew Kastner had a terrible year last year. So, you know, I don't know that they've really done enough. I've al- I also mentioned in the piece that, uh, you know, if you believe in the Paragasin theorem of, uh, of baseball, that they, they overachieved a bit. They were a little bit lucky last year. Their win differential would, I mean, excuse me, their run differential was only, uh, plus eight runs. And based on that, they should have been about a 500 team and not, not a 95 winning team that led the league in wins. No. And as you point out, uh, some of the losses too, Ian Desmond, Carlos Beltran, Lewis Holland. I mean, that's uh, 
that's significant considering what they brought back. Right, and there's still a question at first base. I'm not really sure what they're doing there. They did bring in James Loney. He played with the Mets last year. He's a pretty good defender, and he's uh, he's he's very good against right-handed pitching. He doesn't have a lot of power, but he's a you know he's a solid first baseman. Uh, they did bring Josh Hamilton back, uh, which was not a surprise, but I think some were surprised that he's going to try first base. It's a position he's never played as a professional, and his career goes back to 1999. Of course, they have Joey Gallo, who's one of their top prospects. Who they've, uh, you know, he's uh, sort of a, you know, a big bopper, strikes out a lot. And there's some belief that they're going to try to hold him back, uh, have him start the year at AAA. And then, of course, they have Jerickson Profar and Ryan Rua, who are coming back. Uh, they also have uh, Mike Napoli is in the rumor mill of returning, but they don't seem to be able to agree on a deal. So I'm not sure they did much there. And like I said about the rotation, I'm not really buying in. They do have the two best guys at the top uh, top of the rotation in, in the league, in the division at least, with Hugh Darvish and Cole Hamels. But after that, there's a lot of question marks, which you could say about all the teams in the division, really. It's true. It's a good point. I think Jake Diekman, too, missing half the season is kind of an underrated loss. He's part of what has been a pretty good bullpen. I agree with that a lot. Uh, I would think bringing in another lefty reliever would be a good idea at this point, at least to give some competition and, and add some depth to their bullpen. So what about the Houston Astros? Rem- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry, I was just going to say about their bullpen. It wasn't very good this first half of the year. It did pick up the second half. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, you never can have enough relievers. Yeah, no doubt about that. So let's talk Houston, who expectations are pretty high going to last season. They didn't quite uh, get to those expectations. What do you think of the Astros? What did they do this offseason? Well, they have brought in a lot of guys. First off, they have a great core. They have, mm-hmm. you know, George Springer, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman. And, you know, they brought in a bunch of guys. They brought in Carlos Beltran and Josh Reddick and, Brian McCann and former uh, Mariner Nori Aoki plus uh, pitcher Charlie Morton. Uh, but what the one thing they did address was their rotation, which I think was their biggest need. I mean, they have Dallas Keuchel, who won the Cy Young two years ago, and then, of course, uh, Lance McCullers Jr. And both of those guys finished the year injured. And then, of course, they have uh, Colin McHugh and Mike Fears, Pretty good innings eaters, but, you know, their numbers have been on a decline the last few years. And then they have a few young guys. But I thought they really needed to add another starter just to hedge against, you know, if Keiko and McCullers had any issues and just to give some um, give their younger guys more time to develop. And, of course, they were, you know, uh, in the rumor mill all, all winter with, uh, with uh, Quintana uh, and also Sale. And even Sonny Gray had been mentioned about going there but, and, and Chris Archer. But none of those came to fruition. And so I don't think they've actually done enough with their rotation. You know, it seems like it's the same problem they had last season. You mentioned the injuries uh, to McCullers. Keiko and McHugh weren't able to repeat what they did the year before. And I'm with you. It looks like they're just going to rely on uh, – Brad, the Brad Peacocks of the world. I mean, guys that uh, have been in AAA. Right. They have Joe Musgrove, who I actually – I was in uh, in uh, Houston last year, and I saw him pitch against the Cubs in September, and he got in a bunch of trouble in the first inning, and then he got out of it. He struck out a couple of guys and got out of it. Pitched fairly well, considering uh, how hot the Cubs were. 
But, uh, you know, they're talking about stretching out Chris Stavinsky. He, he started, I think, a couple of times, but he was primarily a reliever for them last year. He, you know, he got some American League Rookie of the Year votes. And they also have Michael Feliz, who they talked about stretching out as a, you know, another reliever they're talking about stretching out as a starter. You know, it's, you know, I just feel like if you're, if you're that close, you know, you go get the, the guy you need to put you over the top. And it just seems that they're, they're somewhat reluctant to give up on, on giving up uh, prospects. They're, they're, they seem to be in love with their prospects, which I can't blame them for. They have a pretty good organization, but still. You know, they don't, they don't get you wins. No, you pointed it. Uh, yeah, it's a great point because the bullpen is there for them. Their offense is stacked, especially with that young core. I mean, Correa, Altuve, and everyone else, Springer, you mentioned. I mean, everything else seems to be in place except the rotation. Yeah, I agree with that completely. So what about the Angels? People seem to be high on what the Angels have done in the offseason. Uh, expectations raised a little bit. For the Angels, I guess coming into the season, what do you what do you make I'm of their sure. off season? I, I'm not sure what their plan is. Yeah, you know they have a bad farm system. You know all they've added basically are veteran position players. You know they have, of course, they have Mike Trout. They have the best player in the game, and Andrews Andrews Simmons and uh, Cole Calhoun. But after that, there's just to me a lot of questions. Obviously, Garrett Richards is coming back from. Uh, stem cell uh, procedure instead of Tommy John. And then, of course, Tyler Skaggs had uh, Tommy John surgery in 2015, came back next uh, last year. And, of course, Matt Shoemaker, unfortunately, was hit by a Kyle Seeger line drive. Now, those three guys, if they all come back and they're sharp, then they're in pretty good shape. But that's a lot to hope on, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And then when you look at the rest of the rotation, uh, there's not much there. They have a bunch of retreads and some young guys with question marks. Their best uh, pitching prospect is is Alex Myers, who they picked up from the Twins uh, during the season. And there's some questions as to whether he's going to be a starter or reliever. And so, and then of course uh, Albert Pujols, who's a future Hall of Famer, is uh, coming off foot surgery, and he's been on the decline. And you know, just look at them, and what what exactly is their plan? You know, and, and I, I'm not really sure what it is. You know, they're not, they're, they're, they're not really, uh, the farm system is years away from helping them, and the guys they're bringing in are not going to make them significantly more competitive this year, in my opinion. No, I'm with you. And I think the more you look at it, it's, it's such an if team where if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, things could go okay. But, I mean, it is a lot of ifs up and down that roster. Right, absolutely. So, what about uh, the Oakland A's? What do you what do you think of their off season? Well, I think they're on a slow rebuild. You know, they have a lot of good young pitching. that's a couple of years away, but you know, it, I would expect in July they'll they'll do their usual uh, fire sale of trading veterans. You know, I was looking before uh, we were talking about uh, you know how many veterans significant veterans have gone become free agents at the end of the season with the A's and, and you have to go back to 2014 to find any. And then, of course that's the year they were all in, mm-hmm. um, they, they, you know, they made a couple of key trades. They picked up, uh, Hamels and, uh, they traded, uh, um, Cespedes and, uh, to get, uh, I just forgot his name, John, John Lester, excuse me, John Lester, you know, they, they were all in, and that's really the only year in recent times where they've let their 
their uh, veterans walk. So guys that are going to be free agents in the year, I suspect they'll be finding themselves in new, in new uniforms by August. Um, you know, we, they were not very good last year, and the guys they added will help some, but they're older guys. And so it just seems like they're just trying to hold on uh, for a couple more years until the, the wave of young players shows up. Yeah, the biggest question, I guess, for me for the A's is, is Sonny Gray going to bounce back early enough in the season? And if he does, well, his name is going to be out there for all contenders, I would imagine. Yeah, I would think he would be the hottest commodity come yeah. uh, the deadline. You know, I mean, obviously the A's can hold on to him. He's, uh, he's under team control through 2019, so they can wait to the offseason when there's more uh, interested parties. But, uh, yeah, if he's, if he's up and uh, good to go, you know, you know, you would think the A's would try to maximize the value that could get back uh, yeah. for him. You know, look at what the Yankees did to their uh, system by trading a, a couple of leaf pitchers last right. July. No, it's a great point. It's a great point. So your view on the Mariners offseason is up as well at prospect, uh, prospectinsider.com. Mariners, obviously a very busy offseason. I mean, all kinds of moves, more than anyone in terms of trades this offseason. What about the Mariners offseason? Well, you know, I just, I would, one thing I would note up front is that, uh, you know, Jerry DePoto, as you know, is always adding and always improving. He's really been doing this since really last March. You know, you look back, they picked up, they signed uh, Guillermo Heredia, mm-hmm. And, you know, last March, and then, of course, he picked up Dan Vogelbach and uh, Ariel Miranda at the deadline, and then he converted Edwin Diaz to a reliever and then eventually a closer back in May, and then, of course, Ben Gamble in August. But what they've really been doing is, you know, sort of what everybody talks about, building around the core and then becoming more athletic and and better defensively, especially in the outfield. I don't know if they're as young as everyone says they are. I guess I'll have to wait and see what the numbers look like. Um, later in the year, I mean, basically when you, you know, Dyson and Valencia are both over 30 and Gallardo's 30 and Chris Ruiz, is, uh, Carlos Ruiz is 38, but they did pick up a bunch of young guys. I do like what they're doing. Um, but it really, I think it's going to come down to like with the, with the rest of the teams, how the rotation is going to go. Yeah. You know, uh, I do like the fact that they're, you know, Dyson and Segura are going to, uh, they're going to steal more bases, but it's not just that it's just, being able to take the extra base, you know, how many times last year, you know, not, not to pick on the guys that Seth Smith, Franklin Gutierrez, how many times are they going to score from first base on a double? Right. You know, guys like, you know, Martin, uh, who was here last year, obviously, but Dyson, Segura, Ben Gamble, you know, Mitch Hanniger, Heredia, or even Boog Powell. Those kind of guys are going to be able to score. And, and that's just going to create, more, you know, in the long run, it's going to create more runs uh, for the team throughout the season. Yeah, no doubt. So you've taken a deep look so, at the you've taken a deep look at the division and obviously we're still weeks away from spring training, so a lot can change, but what are your overall impressions now? What how does the division shape up to you after taking a look at every team so closely? I think I would put um I would have Houston first. Mm-hmm. I'd have the Mariners second. I know that's probably not the popular uh, thought right now. I think a lot of people look at the Rangers. I I still think the Rangers um, I think they overachieved last year. Mm. And then after that, you know, I, probably the, uh, the Angels over the over Oakland. Um, Oakland was really bad last year. They haven't done a lot to improve themselves. 
Um, and, and, you know, the angels have Mike Trout. So, you know, <laughs> right. I'll, I'll give them the edge that way. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I say. I still think you, yeah, Houston's the class of the division right now. Um, but you know, the, the division will fall out as the pitching staffs fall out. I mean, look at the Mariners last year. Yeah. If they go 500 last June, you know, they're, they're probably at least in a, in a, in a, a, a tiebreaker game at the end of the season. Yeah. And what fell apart and what it was June was their pitching staff. So this year I would say DePoto, Jerry Poto has done a great job of adding that second layer of, of guys to fill in, you know, I mean, you know, last year we thought we had depth when we had, you know, Nate Carnes and, and James Paxson fighting for that last spot. But now, you know, you look at all the guys that he, he's brought in, uh, you know, this whole second wave, it'll be down at Tacoma more than likely, uh, you know, between Miranda, more, maybe. And then, of course, Chris Heston and Whalen and Dylan Overton, they just picked up, and Matt, even Max Posey, possibly. That's a pretty good uh, second wave of support that you know they're going to need, Yeah. you know, by the end of the season. Yeah, it's inevitable. <laughs> we saw it last year over a dozen starters. So, yeah, that's the way, right. that's the way it works. And as you know, I'm, I'm sure you know the last team to use just five starters were the 2003 Mariners. Right, which you know, so. is still so hard to believe that that actually happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so it's uh, you got to have that depth, and I think I think that's one thing that Jerry Depoto has done a great job of is adding these layers of depth and some and insurance. You know, like Danny Valencia, mm-hmm. just in case guys in the outfield falter or if uh, Dan Vogelback falters. You know, there's there's somebody that to kind of step in there and, and help out. It's not he's not putting all his eggs in one basket. No doubt. Well, Luke, this was fun. Let's do it again. I can't recommend uh, a follow to you high enough at Luke underscore Arkins. You can find his work. Uh, take a look at uh, all the pieces that he put together for every team. That it's well worth your time. You can find it at prospectinsider.com. Luke, thanks so much. This was fun. Let's do it again soon. Okay, sure thing, Gary. I appreciate being on. The gray clouds continue to hang overhead, and Pacific Northwesterners wade through the puddles and slog through the winter squalls. But today, the first sign of spring. It was moving day for the Seattle Mariners. giant and fully loaded truck ready to head to the 39th Mariners spring training 1,506 miles two stops one in Medford Oregon one in Bakersfield California before arriving Thursday afternoon in Peoria it's a whole winter uh, process that we started you know pretty much back in October um but the last couple of weeks have been, you know, we've been going at it pretty good Monday through Friday. So uh, a lot of the labor is done today, and that truck will head out this afternoon and sit anywhere from 35 to 40,000 pounds of, of uh, equipment. It's a 53-foot trailer, um, and we fill it all the way to the end. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. That's Mariners Clubhouse Manager Ryan Stiles. So the question is, what do they bring? Everything. Equipment, training supplies, uh, strength and conditioning uh, supplies, uh, uniforms, 
bags, bats, just all the things uh, that we use uh, during the regular season pretty much. We just try to condense them as much as we can into either trunks or bags and you know, and then we'll get down there and disperse them out for everybody. So what about All-Stars and Cy Young Award winners? Those guys are on their own. <laughs> strike three called, and there is strikeout number eight. Felix Hernandez strikes out Nick Swisher looking at strike three. Looking up, and this is gone. Opposite field homer by Robinson Cano. Arizona, Arizona, Arizona. Well, the planning for me is basically uh, what items um, do I need here? What items do I need down there? Um, A lot of the stuff we will um, just have sent straight to Peoria. So it saves us um, some time and labor having to mess with it up here. We know we're just going to use them in spring training and we're done. And then obviously the stuff uh, for the regular season will get sent here um, while we're in spring training. So it's, it's, it's a fairly easy process. It's just a lot of, uh, you know, labor that's involved in it. But uh, the planning's pretty much the same every year. Same items, um, you know, go, same items, stay. Sweet. The massive truck is loaded. As the journey begins south and pitchers and catchers end spring. Just around the corner. Play ball! Friends, during the course of the year, uh, we... uh pick up a lot of mail from fans and also poetry that fans write, and this is uh, particularly cogent. I think it's kind of meaty. It's uh, written by a gentleman out of Kansas City, Missouri called Greg Hall. His name is Greg Hall. I thought you might be interested in uh, listening to it on our post-game show today, and it's simply entitled Baseball Is. And it goes like this. Baseball is grass, chalk, and dirt, displayed the same yet differently in every park that has ever heard the words play ball. Baseball is a passion that bonds and divides all those who know it. Baseball is a pair of hands stained with newsprint, a set of eyes squinting to read a box score, a brow creased in an attempt to recreate a three-hour game from an inch-square block of type. Baseball is a hat I wear to mow the lawn. Baseball is a simple game of catch and the never-ending search for the perfect knuckleball. Baseball is Willie against Mickey, Gibson against Koufax, and Buddy Biancolana against the odds. Baseball links Kansan and Missourian, American and Japanese, but most of all, father and son. Baseball is a scent of spring, the unmistakable sound of a double down the line in the face of a 10-year-old emerging from a pile of bodies with a worthless yet priceless foul ball. Baseball is a language of very simple words that tell unbelievably magic tales. Baseball is three brothers in the same uniform on the same team for one brief summer, captured forever, in a black and white photo on the table by the couch. Baseball is a glove on a shelf, oiled and tightly wrapped, slumbering through the stark winter months. Baseball is some Elmer's glue, a couple of finishing nails, a hammer and black tape, lovingly applied in an attempt to coax a few more innings out of a splintered Louisville slugger. Baseball is the foreign sensation that you get when placing your hand into someone else's glove. Baseball is 
Mark Sawatsky swiping his mom's Oxidol to chalk the lines for our neighborhood sandlot game of the week. Baseball is the smell of a freshly screen printed jersey in the hands of an 11 year old that just made the team. Baseball is the way generations compare themselves and their idols. Baseball is molding the bill of your cap right to your own personal specifications. Baseball is a breast pocket bulging with a transistor radio. Baseball is the reason there are transistor radios. Baseball is a fifth grade history class huddled around Sister Irma and her Philco on a sunny October afternoon. Baseball is sitting in your car on a humid summer night listening to the play-by-play -play on the only radio that will pick up the game. Baseball is a voice in a box describing men you've never met in a place you've never been doing things you'll never have the chance to do. Baseball is the potential for a no-hitter with every national anthem. Baseball is 90 feet of anticipation. Baseball is my dad hollering score updates upstairs after mom had long ago sent us to bed. Baseball is the acquired art of extending the life of a hardball with knots, tape, and spit until the round rubber center reveals itself and ends the day's game. Baseball is a shoestring catch a booted ground ball, even a cleat boyer. But it's not a game for loafers. Baseball is the numbing sting of a fastball off the fists of a batter on a cold April night. Baseball is knowing when to run, when to stop, and when to slide. Baseball is a thinking man's game that takes no brains to excel at. Baseball is a tear rolling down the cheek of a child in uniform as he watches a thunderstorm wash out the day's game. Baseball is a scribbled and blotched scorecard that can make 6-4-3 look like a ballet. Baseball is fireworks at the ballpark every 4th of July. Baseball is experimenting with the grip of a ball in hopes of inventing a new and unhittable pitch. Baseball is pepper. Three flies up and a home run derby played by kids in every schoolyard since and before Babe Ruth. Baseball is imitating every nuance of the stance of your favorite player. Baseball is determining who gets first ups by strangling the neck of a bat. Baseball is the anguish that you feel when a Yankee gets traded to the Red Sox. Baseball is how I learned my geography. Baseball is the four inch high trophy that I have never thrown away. Baseball is taught by dads to sons in hopes that the boy will master the game that the man did not. Baseball is a dream that you never really give up on. Baseball is precious. Baseball is timeless. And baseball is forever. See you later!